0: Word associations are a great way to measure a group of people from different backgrounds and different walks of life. So I thought it could be fun to do a couple word associations with you this morning. So first, when I say tomato, you say... All right, good, we're, we're getting moving. When I say starlight, you say... When I say super Tuesday, you say, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that one this morning. Now okay, here's one that might be a little stretch, a little bit of a stretch, but I know a few of you will be able to get this one. When I say that team from East Texas who cheated the World Series a couple years ago, you say perfect. And the last one, when I say born again, you say Jesus had answered Nicodemus and he said, truly I tell you, no one will see the kingdom of God, no one will enter the kingdom of God without being born again. That is some serious word association. Born again in kingdom of God. You could call it biblical word association. Being born was hard enough for me just doing it once and it's not because I have an unusually large head. To be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus, well, that sounds like something that's outside of my scope of expertise and also comfort level. To be born again from a mainline Protestant not wanting to rock the theological boat too much, that's something that we Methodists, we we reserve that for Christians of of a different flavor. People like us, we're sensible Methodists. And we don't know what to do with what Jesus told Nicodemus in the middle of the night. We don't know what to do with this idea of being born again to see, let alone enter, the kingdom of God. If we knew what to do with this command from Jesus, we would most likely be in a different congregation this morning, part of a different community where language of accepting Jesus into our hearts knowing the day of said declaration, marking that day on a calendar, our born again anniversary, where that's common vernacular and practice. This would be a community when prompted with a word association exercise of when I say born again, you say, the response would be confident, it would be unified and wouldn't leave many of us looking for the closest exit so we can get out. Nicodemus had compartmentalized his faith. And he was missing the spiritual reality that Jesus was speaking of. And instead, Nicodemus opted for the impossible logistical feat of physically being born again. We'd like to skip over this response from Jesus to be born again. The original Greek word for this is anothen. Anothen. This response to Nicodemus. After all, it was Nicodemus who asked the question. I would love to skip over this impossible response. I didn't ask the question. Pastor Ed and Pastor Jeff didn't ask the question. I know you all didn't ask the question. And Jesus' response, it was directed at Nicodemus. So it would be great if we could leave this logistical nightmare of being born again at the feet of Nicodemus. Leaving verses 3 and 5 to Nicodemus would allow the rest of us to jump ahead to verse 16, for God so loved the world, a favorite among college football players and Christian modern interior decorators. Jesus didn't tell his disciples as he called them away from their nets and their families that they had to be born again. This word association conundrum, it's Nicodemus's problem. Why can't we just end the sermon now and all go home or go to brunch? The word that we and Nicodemus trip over like a child's shoe left on the floor in the middle of the night, this word, anothen, is what separates Christians into different born-again tribes. To be born anothen, as instructed by Jesus, is to be born anew, to be born again, or to be born from above. Each of those words have slightly different definitions. Nicodemus is the only person in the Gospels that Jesus spoke these words to. Except, except the you, and you must be born again, you must be born anew, you must be born from above. That you is plural. You all must be born anew. We All of us. Everyone must be born anew. Nicodemus was a Pharisee of Israel, so his midnight meeting with Jesus meant that he was a representative of an entire group of people. This midnight encounter that Dick and Davis had wasn't just an exercise for him in seeking information about his own personal salvation. Which is why Jesus responded to Nicodemus with a you all, you. We've been lumped in. We've been lumped in together. Some of us unwillingly into Nicodemus's middle of the night encounter with Jesus. But for as long as I can remember, and I'm a cradle United Methodist, I can't remember a time of being told that I needed to be born again. That was for someone else do. That was for the church down the street. Not us. Not United Methodists. After all, we're the happy middle ground that families find when a Roman Catholic marries an evangelical. To be, to consider what it means to be born again, it leads me to think that we need to add a weekly altar call to the end of the service. But if that becomes the threshold of being a real Christian, we begin to contradict everything that Jesus told Nicodemus, everything that Christ is telling to us. To be born again, that's something that God does. It's not something that we ourselves are capable of doing. It's something, being born oathed, that we are incapable. It's not possible for us to do this for ourselves. To be born and thin is something that we can control, just as easily as we can control the direction or the speed that the wind blows. To be born and thin is not a notch on your spiritual belt, and it's not a resume line that will get you past the pearly gates. And Jesus tells us as much. He said, "What is born of flesh—that's us—is flesh." That's us. is flesh. And what is flesh is incapable of becoming God. Only God is God, and only God can connect us with God. This is something that we are not able to do on our own. To be born anothen is a journey we cannot compli- We cannot accomplish on our own. To be born anothen, anew, again, or from above, It's something that we can't do because God has already done it. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's invitation into God's new creation through the faithfulness of Christ. Not our own faithfulness. As we journey through Lent, the shadow of the cross becomes bigger and bigger. And we know that the sorrow of Good Friday is around the corner. But after the sorrow of Good Friday, on Easter morning, the disciples, they received the Holy Spirit as Jesus breathed onto them. This wasn't Jesus sharing three-day-old death breath, but instead Jesus was breathing the Holy Spirit onto his disciples. Like Adam, formed from dust and having divine breath, breathed into his lungs and receiving life for the first time. Jesus Christ, the new Adam, he takes away the stench of our sin and our death, breathing the spirit of new life into each of us. Skipping over Jesus' bit about being born nothing, preferring the safer waters of John 3.16, we miss that we have been born anew. We've been born again, and we've been born from above. Jesus' resurrection has sealed this for us, for everyone, even those of us who prefer John 3.16 over John 3.3 or 3.5. This Lenten season, we're considering what it means, as St. Paul put it, to adopt the mind of Christ. To adopt the mind of Christ is to acknowledge that regardless if you've ever come forward for an altar call, regardless if you have the born, your born again date circled on the calendar, regardless if you attend a born again Bible-believing church or you find yourself in the happy middle ground of mainline Protestantism, you have already been accepted by God. The faithfulness of Christ to the will of God is what gives each of us new life. And this faithfulness is something that each of us cannot accomplish on our own. So while you may have a date that you remember, for me it's confirmation back in seventh grade, sometime back in the 90s, or maybe it was an altar call way back when or just a few years ago. That anniversary date on your calendar is a signifier of your recognition of something accomplished for you. Whether you knew you needed it done or not, whether you wanted it done or not, hold on to those dates. Keep them circled, but don't forget that the sorrow of Good Friday does not last indefinitely. Folks, we are an Easter people. When the stone was rolled away and Mary found Jesus in the garden, she first mistook this new Adam for the gardener. For the caretaker of the garden on this first day of new creation that we are all waiting for. What Jesus accomplished for us, it remains an if-then statement. If you are born again, born from above, born anew, then you will see the kingdom of God. Then you will enter the kingdom of God. Jesus has accomplished this for us today, now and it will always be true for all of us, for everyone. There's no asterisks. This is not just good news. This is great news. Some of us might even call this awesome news. And this awesome news that we celebrate today, we will celebrate as we gather around the baptismal font. And when we gather around that font, we are reminded that each of us has been born anothen through the water and the spirit. And we will remember that today, later this morning, as we celebrate the baptism of Eliza Charlotte. Being born again, it gives each of us new sight. We are able to see Christ in the darkness of night. We are able to see Christ while the shadow side of creation still looms. But we're able to see him not as the gardener, but rather as the new Adam the first of God's new creation. Seeing Jesus and trusting in his faithfulness, it's enough. And it frees us to see all of creation with new eyes. The darkness, it doesn't seem so dark because we have the light of Christ, because of his faithfulness and because of the love of God. It shines on each of us. It exposes our born nothingness to the world, but more importantly, it shines our born againness onto those of us who doubt our own enoughness. Thanks be to God. Amen.